the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Each man's life touches so many other lives. When he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? Welcome to What a Life with Paul Batura. Paul is a best-selling author, writer, Fox News contributor, and vice president of communications at Focus on the Family. This is a show about the extraordinary value of every life. It's a show about movers, shakers, and culture shapers. And now, here's your host, Paul Batura. Welcome to the show. Thanks for that introduction, Dr. Bill. That's Dr. Bill Meyer, the voice of Ping Golf, as well as the announcer for our friend, Pastor Dr. Chuck Swindoll, who hosts Insight for Living. Special thanks to the Sandlin Media Group for distributing the program and to Matt, who's engineering today. Okay, we have a real treat. A few years ago, I was at a conference uh, that was uh, featuring the comedian Ken Davis. It was a speaker's conference. We were at Windshape, which is Chick-fil-A's corporate retreat center in Rome, Georgia. If you haven't been there, put that on your bucket list. It is a beautiful place attached uh, to Barry College. It was one of those lovely fall evenings, and we were sitting around a fire pit, and we were talking about prayer. And one of the gentlemen who was there was good friends with Tom Ziegler, who's Zig Ziegler's son. And he said to the group, have you guys read Two Chairs by Bob Bodine? Well, a few people there had. I had not. So I looked it up, and I got the book, and I have been a fan ever since. Bob is the author of the, also the author of The Power of Who, which is another terrific book that will literally change your life. He's the president and CEO of Eastman and Bodine, which is the premier sports and entertainment executive search firm in the country. Bob, it is an honor to have you on today's show. Thank you, Paul. I'm so, I mean, I'm, I, 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 as I told you just before, is I'm a huge, huge fan and love Focus on the Family and, and love what you do. So uh, congratulations on everything you're doing. Well, thanks. We're, we work in tandem. And uh, I have to tell you, um, you know, this show that I'm doing right now, this um, version here we're doing is sort of thanks to you. Uh, I wrote you a note to thank you for your books. And out of the blue, I got a call from you. Uh, graciously uh, extending me your ear. And we got to talking about what we really want to do in life. And uh, I've always wanted to do a show like this. I grew up in New York. I was a, always a radio guy, worked at WOR Radio. And then, as you know, I was Paul Harvey's biographer. And um, here we are now. Uh, we're uh, seven months into this program. And I've talked to people you know, people like Lou Holtz and Andy Andrews and Larry Mize, um, last week we had on uh, Fisher DeBerry, who is the wow. Hall of Fame coach, uh, former coach of Air Force. Um, so I just want to thank you for helping well, plant the seeds here. Well, it's one of my favorite things is empowering others to, you know, an encouragement. It's just one of the, the things that you do in life that you get the biggest blessing out of. And, you know, especially when you kind of feel someone's really, really talented and he has a fantastic voice and he's been around a giant like Paul Harvey. <laughs> so all of those things are just like right in your, 
in your sweet spot. Well, thanks. I'm curious. Did you ever cross paths with Paul Harvey in the? I did. I mean, you know, one of my favorite things with, and it's so it's so perfect for times like this. He is that the world's in is that. My favorite thing to tell people is the quote that he always would say in times like these, Mm. it's always good to remember there's always been times like these. (laughs) Great perspective. I mean, that was Paul's, uh, I mean, he, like you, he was a student of history. He was not easily rattled. Uh, You know, he was always took the long view and that's, I think what you have done. But, you know, Bob, I was thinking as I was preparing for this, and I've thought about this before, when I heard that you had worked on the placement, the first placement that you ever did. Um, for the commissioner of baseball, Bud Selig, and you had interviewed for that role, George W. Bush. Now, this was in the 90s, late 90s, but it struck me that you personally have impacted world history in numerous ways, but specifically with George Bush, because if you had recommended George W. Bush for commissioner of baseball, I think he would have loved that job so much he never would have run for president in 2000. Well, you know, it's so funny. Um, we had met early in 1983, I was doing something uh, with uh, a guy and we were doing something to bring Ronald Reagan and, and, and George Bush senior into town. Of course we couldn't get them. So we brought their, their son and their daughter, Maureen and George W. And, and when he came in, my wife and I had just been married and we meet him at Southwest airline. And I'm thinking he's going to come in with an entourage. And of course he just comes with, (laughs) you know, just walks in. And he's just got a his blue work shirt and his jeans and a he's got just a backpack of some sort that he's filled some stuff and and then you could quickly tell right then and and the times that we then had a chance that God puts you across his path again and again so like I um, you you quickly just tell he has this moment with you where you can you know all great leaders and great people have this ability to create a moment just with you. They're totally present, put their hand on your shoulder and tell you a story as if they've known you their whole lives. Mm. And, and then funny as, as time, as the years went on, I would be going to New York all the time for doing sports with all the major headquarters were there. And he'd be going to New York of something and he'd want to always sit together. And then slowly started to tell me that his dad was going to run for office and should he be on that and what's it like to work for your dad and I'm going to work for my dad and how, and, and we started to advise and then who would have ever thought that he would become the managing partner of the Rangers later. I would become on the board of directors of, of the Rangers. Um, and, and then uh, he, he became the managing director and I got the search for the commissioner. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's saying, you know, cause he's always one of those guys that has a nickname for you. Mm-hmm. So he always calls me Bobby boy <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and Bobby boy, get in here. He says, you know, he says, I'm thinking about uh, I'm thinking about going for commissioner. He says, I don't think if I ran for governor for sure is I can't beat Ann Richards. And I thought, <laughs> isn't that funny that people would actually think those thoughts? And then God has other plans. Right. And God does something, you know, where it's just great. And we had chances to kind of I got a chance to help him run for governor and then help him, you know, as he ran for president. And so it was kind of fun all the way through. What was it about his candidacy for the commissioner of baseball that you felt like, no, this isn't for him. It, it, maybe God has something else for him, which you knew that to be the case. But, uh, boy, I would think George W. Bush would have made a great commissioner. Uh, maybe not as great as Bud Selig, but what, do you remember back what your oh, thought yeah. process so was? What's really funny is, so Bud Selig was the head of the executive committee, and he uh, he was like the interim, you know, commissioner. And so all along the way, as we would do it, and Bud, 
you know, was a strong Democrat. And of course, George was a, a strong Republican. So, uh, you know, I told George after we kind of met that uh, one of the things that they didn't want anybody who would potentially be political in nature running for the office mm. of commissioner of baseball. And so they were trying to stick into zone. But I don't know if that was actually the case with Bud. I think he just didn't want George in the deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you did a great job and what a way to start. I mean, my goodness, to start your executive search firm world or career by picking the commissioner of baseball, that is, um, that's some uh, high cotton, as they say. Yeah, you know what it is? It's so, again, it was, uh, uh, it was one of those times where I was, I had just, you know, I'd been doing search for 10 years and I had been praying at two chairs and started this whole process and told God, this is what I really wanted. And I'm telling people who are listening today, when you have dreams, you have to dream out loud. You have to bring it out into the attention because when God puts that on your heart, then you can all of a sudden start running that by your mentors and your advisors and all the people that you have. And I ran that by my dad and he said, Hey, I said, listen, I want to do sports. I said, you know, and he says, well, has anyone ever done that? And he said, and he said, uh, I said, no, I said, I said, listen, when I do a search for like a president of a manufacturing company in the search, I get a tour of the plant. But if I did the head of marketing for the NBA, we'd get all-star weekend. And he <laughs> thought, <laughs> he thought that was funny. Yeah, They had never done one, but my first search, it wasn't a week after I rolled that out that the power who came into play that there was someone I already knew who was on our board, a guy named Bill Bartholomew, who was chairman. Like he, I, I thought he was just in the insurance industry and I had done a bunch of searches for him, but he was on the executive committee of major league baseball. And he stopped and said, wouldn't it be amazing if the two of us did this search? And I got a chance, Paul, to interview the 50 biggest people in sports. I mean, in entertainment and business and education, um, every field. And so I interviewed Colin Powell and <laughs> mm. I interviewed, you know, uh, people who were the presidents of American Express and Frito and, you know, Disney and everybody wants to be the commissioner. I mean, people would send me pictures of them next to Ted, you know, <laughs> all of a sudden Ted Williams or something next sure. to Martin or something. <laughs> America's game, right? Yeah. Who doesn't want to head yeah. that up? Everybody wants that. And so it was too fun along the process. And it just opened up everything for me because I then did the commissioner of the Continental Basketball League, which has now moved on, obviously, to become the G League. And I did the commissioner of of uh, Arena Football League. And we created that on a, a little piece of paper, you know, like a napkin. So the list started growing and all of those things. And then we moved, uh, kind of got me into tennis and golf and ultimate fighting championships and you name it. Yeah, well, I love how many uh, mutual... Uh, people we probably have touched on here because I mean we had Jerry Schemmel on the show uh, you know who's with the Den Fantastic. Denver Nuggets and he was with the Continental oh, yeah. League and Dave Baker is a good friend now he is I uh, mean, so uh, Dave was uh, followed right the person that I had placed as the commissioner uh, and and of course back in those days it could be rough but when you saw you know Dave Baker walk in a room no one's being rough with him <laughs> he's a big man he's six, he's, he's six foot eight and his son played for USC and he was, he's just, and he was a big guy who loved the power of who and two chairs, right? Mm, he so did. One of those guys. Yeah. I'm talking, I'm talking with Bob Bodine. He is the author of the power of who, among other things, two chairs. And, uh, of course, uh, owner of, uh, Eastman Bodine, which is a premier executive search firm. Uh, Bob, before we get into the kind of the meat of what your life has been the last few decades, 
I this show is called What a Life. I love to kind of hear a little bit about your past. Um, let's go this direction. What's your earliest memory as a kid? You know, um, I had just great parents. I mean, so I think I had a great dad, a great mom, so that I could then pass on all this aspect of mentorship and, and little tidbits in my books, which I try to do on parenting. I hide all this stuff inside my power who in two chairs on 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 being a great dad and, and being a great you know husband and trying to, to see if you're going to be a person. So my first real memory in all of this stuff was, you know, my dad and I, uh, my dad loved golf and, 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 and my thing was my dad and I, you know, name guy. So of course he loved Lou Holtz and he used to, you know, we know, we knew Lou, but, but who was on your show, but, and I, and I love Lou. Um, but we had a chance to kind of do sports together mm. and, you know, I was the baby of the family and my dad had already gotten some success having started the executive search industry in 1967 on a and and he after he started to have some success, he he started to really spend more time. Right. He was really taking the time in which sometimes he missed a little bit with a, with a couple of my brothers. Uh, and so he didn't want to miss that anymore. And so he had he and so I spent time with him and he would always try to take me places where I would I would see what greatness looked like. Mm-hmm. And once you could see it, oh, he said, you could all of a sudden do it. You could do something. You could mirror it. And so he would take me out to see what Frank Sinatra was like or Arnold Palmer. And so we would do so many fun things at golf. And I, and, and I, I love telling the story is I, is we're it's 1973 at the Bob Hope desert classic that, um, all of a sudden it's the last day Arnie's up by one and he hooks the drive into the woods. And so we're standing over there. There's not like ropes back then, Paul. I mean, you, you know, all of a sudden here comes Arnold Palmer and we're thinking, Oh my gosh, you know, I, well, we stopped <laughs> yeah. him. <laughs> Arnie's army, right? You remember. Yeah. I mean, it, it was the greatest. And so he comes over and my dad nudges me and goes, what do you see? And I go, what do you mean? And I said, it's Arnold Palmer. And he goes, no, no. What do you see? And I go, what? And he goes, Arnold Palmer isn't worried about being in the woods. I mean, he sees trouble as an opportunity in disguise. And he says, all great people have this ability to take a moment and then figure out how they're going to get the energy, the right vibe, the right feeling that they're going to do it. And the caddy, of course, does not want him to do that because there's a tree right in front of him a little bit. And then he'd have to go underneath the tree and hook it left to a green that's tucked in tight with traps. And he's up by one. And this is the 16th hole. And so he just says, hit a little wedge right out there. And of course, great people hate hitting little wedges out there. (laughs) And he doesn't like his caddy's thought. And so he's waggling the wedge and he's looking around to see who's here. And it's just me and my dad right there. And he gazes over to us and he looks at my dad and hits eyes to eyes with him. And my dad gives them the no sign on the wedge. <laughs> and so the caddy goes, I saw that. And then he, you know, don't listen to that man, just hit a little wedge. And he, he smirks, he does it again. And he looks at my dad and my dad says, you know, no, you're not hitting the wedge. And so he's stuck. He moves over to see if he could get underneath this tree and he comes back and he grabs the forward and he looks at my dad again, holding the forward. And my dad says, yes. And he gives him the yes sign. He throws, he pushes the caddy out of the way, gets up, looks at the tree and hits it. And then, you know how he has that little head cocking and the, the swirl of the hands. And whew, it went right underneath the tree, wow. hook left, 
bounces up all of a sudden like a homing signal five feet from the pin and everyone is cheering. It's going crazy. And Arnold Palmer saluting my dad. And I tell people the whole folklore of Arnold Palmer is all because of my dad. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, buddy, I, I learned the greatest lesson. And I learned them always growing up. And that is you've got to be, you've got to know who you are. You've got to know whose you are. You've got to know the path you're called. I mean, you've got to have daring aspect to be great. And you've got to go for it at times. And you need energy from someone else. And of course, the energy between two people is what great makes great marriages, families, you know. And so you can pull, as I know you do when you know this, Paul, is that when I give a talk in front of a large amount of people, and I've given one, you know, coming up in a week is, you know, for 2000 people and I'm looking out, I'm getting my energy from the crowd and I'm looking around to see who, who's the person who really is, loves my book, loves something I'm saying. And then you get energy. And then what happens is something magical happens and your passion and your energy is what just blows people out of the box in the room and they can feel it in the back of the room all the way to the front. And mm-hmm. you and I both know it's as a CEO of an executive search firm. So like I just placed Dion Sanders, right. As the head football coach at Colorado and you from Colorado Springs. Oh, we love, we love coach prime out here. Yeah. I mean, it's just unbelievable. When he walks into the room, I tell people you can't see energy, right? You can't see uh, love. You can't see some facets of time, but, but when you see, when, uh, when energy enters the room, like with George W. Bush and when Colin Powell, when you see Dion Sanders, oh my gosh, walk into the room. I mean, you feel it. And, and that has a big factor of people being successful at life. And of course it's a monster one that my dad taught me all the way growing up. I mean, I love the fact that, I mean, yeah, your dad allowed you to, as you say, to see greatness and that required your dad to you know sometimes a kid can get in the way but your dad didn't see it that way he saw his role as raising the next generation right and i mean what a gift what a gift your dad gave to you and i'm sure you have passed that on to your girls as well i have i mean i really spent time and i tell ceos all over the country young ones and people who are doing this i started taking my girls with me on business trips starting about age 10 and so that they could go and I'd let them sleep in for my first aspect of the, you know, for my first breakfast meeting early. And then uh, I would then have them come down. We had breakfast and then they'd sit on three, three or four of my interviews. And, you know, what's amazing is women have, you know, they just have great intuition. Right. And they they can tell who's authentic and they can tell, which I try to explain to people is this. Listen, the personal qualities of an individual transcends the technical. The issue is, is that I'm looking to see how good you can be. And that's my daughters can see if you have good interpersonal skills that you can talk to it. You know, would you, are you bothered by the fact that a 10 year old sitting in your big interview for a mm. chief financial officer of a big company? And I'd always say to the guy, listen, I want my daughters in, I'm going to do it. And they always love it. <laughs> yes. I'd like, I'd like to do it, but most people haven't really experienced it. And so we get to, just about two, three o'clock. And then I'd stop work and I'd take her out and, you know, you're in New York. So it's like an outdoor shopping mall. Sure. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, what a good, what a good dad. Um, We're talking about your girls. Um, Tell us how you met Cheryl. Uh, Wife, you've been married over 40 years now, I think, right? Yeah. It's so it's epic. Um, So I loved 
I went to SMU. I just I, I worked in brand management. Uh, for Carnation, which is now Nestle's, uh, worked for a fantastic guy who ended up creating the name Windows for Microsoft, and we're on boards together now. Roland Hansen's fantastic, and um, I'm I'm I got a guy down near SMU who tells me that there's this great speaker coming in from New Zealand into uh, into Plano. Now I live in Plano now, <laughs> and Plano's got nice roads to go out to. When I was down at SMU before, I mean Plano's like an Oklahoma for me, <laughs> and and so. I uh, I go out and to hear this guy and I find it. I didn't have GPS back then, but I found somehow God ha- helped me to find it. And when I when I saw him, I mean, he, this guy looked like Paul McCartney. I mean, great, great accent, great talk, very, very good interpersonal skills. But he was able to motivate and inspire you. But he could take the word of God and make it come alive as if you were sitting in the boat with the disciples. Right. Mm. And it was so good. And I walked up to him after and I said, that was a fantastic talk. And he was so happy and joy. And then when I went, started driving home, I thought, I wonder if he's going to be back next week. So I go back the next week and he gives a better talk the second time. Hmm. And I thought, wow, I go up to him and I said, that was even a better talk this time. And he goes, oh my gosh, listen, come to lunch with me and my wife. And, and he says, and bring your wife. And I said, I'm not married. And he says, fantastic, just come. And he, so it's, all of a sudden, what Don Crosby and Val May and and so we're sitting there, and all of a sudden they start giggling, and they t- and I said what, and they go, we know the perfect person for you. <laughs> I said, I said, come on, I said we don't know each other. They go, oh no, I know. I said, what do you mean you know? And he says, this is a fifteen hundred person church, and there's only been two people who told me this was a good talk over the last two weeks. You and this woman and this young girl named Cheryl. Wow. <laughs> and so he says, you got to come to this uh, to this. Uh, party we're having a party at and he says it's a covered dish party and i said i went to smu like i'm way too cool for a covered dish party (laughs) and he goes if you want something you never had you're gonna have to do some things you never done (laughs) and i was like okay now you got me there and so i come i walk in he meets me at the door and it's like filled with married people (laughs) and and then i look over the right and he says there's cheryl in the uh, kitchen and i said please god be the one on the right (laughs) and and we went out like five times. Now, I got to just tell you something wild. She, uh, on a fifth date, my, my, my wife tells to me, hey, so is this, you know, where are we going? Is this serious? And I said, uh, I said, I said, what do you mean? She goes, you know what I mean? And so I said, well, I think this could be serious. And she said, how would you know? Now, do I tell her, Paul, that I made, that God told me six months earlier to stop dating and, and write a list of what it is that you want in a wife? So I wrote a full list of what I just wanted as my dream, okay, of what a woman and a wife would be like for me. And then I wrote it. And then he said, good. He says, write another one. And he said, this time, write what she's going to be like as a mom. And I wrote everything about that. And I said, is that good? And he goes, write one more. Write what her family's like. Mm. He says, you always marry into the family. Well, that was brilliant. And so I did these three and I did it. And so she looked at me and she goes, how would you? And I said, yeah. And she said, how would you know? Do I tell her? And so I, I said, I made a list. And she looked away and I go, oh, no, she's going to think I'm a crazy person. <laughs> and then she looked back, back at me, Paul, and says, when did you make your list? And I said, uh, six months ago. And she, I said, God told me to make a list. She goes, God told me to make a list six months ago. Wow. And so I said, go get your list. And so we looked at our list, which was unbelievable. We were engaged in three months and I would have married her three months in a day. And, uh, and she's, you know, 
One of the things on my list I really wanted was, you know, someone who's already a fantastic Christian and comes from a great family. And I, you know, went to, you know, school, I picked out things that I wanted, but one of the things I picked and I tell people all the time is you should marry your best friend. You got to have somebody that you not only just, I just love her, right? I, she's just gorgeous. And she's, I mean, I'm more in love with today, my wife today than I was, you know, when I first met her. And, and so why? Because we've been through so many things and we just couple so well, right? And so all the things that, you know, we're doing, I mean, we had pipes burst yesterday in our house from the cold. And so we just went after it, right? We had to put down immediately towels and then we had to go fix everything and figure out how to turn off the water up front. But, you know, God just works with you through all this trouble. And, and I got, uh, God gave me a gift beyond anything I could imagine. Wow. Well, you did everything right there. I mean, in terms of what you're looking for and what we were looking for in a wife and um, boy, what a what a great uh, testimony that is. And um, I'm speaking with Bob Bodine. He is the author of Two Chairs and the author of The Power of Who. And also he's the president of Eastman Bodine, uh, which is the premier executive sports uh, and um, entertainment search firm in America. I'm Paul Batura. This is What a Life Lessons from Legends. And we come back. We're going to dig into um, this material Wherever you are in your life, whether you're looking for a job, you're dissatisfied in your job, uh, Bob has answers. He has insight that can be super helpful to you. And at the start of the new year, uh, what a great time to reevaluate your life. Uh, So thanks for listening. Hang on through the break. And when we come back, uh, this is going to be time well spent. Welcome back. I'm Paul Batura. This is What a Life, Lessons from Legends. Thanks for tuning in this week, and what a week to tune in. We were talking with Bob Bodine. Bob is author of Two Chairs uh, and also uh, The Power of Who, which is just a fantastic book that makes the case, and Bob, I want to talk to you about this, makes the case that you already know everybody that you need to know in order to go where you want to go. And so, Bob, I'm curious, you've said that book um, it was sort of channeling your dad. And your dad, of course, started uh, the search firm. Tell us about that. Uh, how, did, how did that idea first come to you? So, you know, it's really interesting. Um, my dad, when before he started search, um, he was McKinsey and he was CEO of a company. And, and then, he, you know, the company was doing some things he didn't really like one of the companies and he, he left. And so he was out of work for like six months. And so my dad would always tell me about how vulnerable you feel when you're out of a job. And so when I went to work for my dad and I worked with my dad for 20 years uh, and, and, you know, he passed away in 2000 and I had a chance. I mean, it was the greatest gift in the world working with your dad and, and he, you know, because he always treated you like you wanted to be treated. And he was my best friend and my partner and my dad. I mean, (laughs) and so I, uh, when I worked with my dad, he first told me, he said, look, if someone comes to the office and they're out of work and they have just come to the office to drop off their resume and they have no appointment to talk to anybody, he says, I want you to go out and I want you to put your you know, say hello, put your arm around them, take them back in your office, get them a cup of coffee and, and spend time with them. He says, he says, there's something great in everyone and it's your job, Bob, to find it. Mm. And that was when I figured out that executive search wasn't a transaction. 
but it could be transformational that I could put in the one person in that organization that could transform the organization, right? Make it a culture that everyone's loved, that all of a sudden you could do what you love and uh, with people you love and a place you love and your family loves it, and you could do it for all the right reasons. That was what I wanted to do. And so I started to really say something uh, to my dad over and over again about the business of executive search. And they, the world does something totally incorrect. <laughs> they, they do a thing called when you want to find your dream, you want to get your goals. Everyone's been taught from high school, college, you go to masterminds, you go to conferences, you go everywhere. They teach you to do a thing called networking to find it, which is not working, <laughs> <laughs> which you know, is, is faceless. It's handing out business cards to strangers. Uh, it's sending in dear sir, whom it may concern. I get like 250,000, you know, dear sir, whom it may concern letters. And of course, I never place someone from a resume that someone just sent in. Why? Because I don't know you. Mm. And so I started to stop and say, hold on a second. What we've been taught the opposite of is we were taught that friends and business were taboo. So let me get this correct. We're supposed to work with people we don't know and don't trust. And, and so we were taught that our friends and our family were not resources and conduits to our success. And of course, big mistake, because your friends have friends. And if you had 100 friends, Paul, and I have 100 friends, we don't have 200. We got 10,000. Your mm -hmm. friends have friends. And of course, you don't have 100 friends. But if you have 50, we'd have 2,500. Can you deal with 2,500 <laughs> people? Of course not. Yeah. And so wouldn't it be logical that God, that God gave Jesus 12 friends, three close, one best, and everyone knows who he is. And 2000 years later, he's still signing recruits and still doing deals. Wow. So, and so go ahead, it's, it's unbelievable. So wouldn't it be relaxing to someone who's listening to you, who's out of a job? He doesn't like his job. He's never liked it. He's been doing a job. And here's the problem. You were never created to do a job, you were created with a specific aspect of the work you do, right? And and the difference between is a job you're just kind of paid for, work you're you're made for. Success doesn't like come from skills and tasks. Okay, it, it it you have to engage in what your gifts and talents are. And so jobs are just kind of like transactional. And and the difference is is that you and I were called before. Everything. So God knew you, chose you. He, he, he actually set you apart. You do one thing better than anyone else in the world. And, and it's your friends and your family to help show that to you like my dad did, like my mom every single day, to do what you love so you never work a day of your life, which is the whole point of, of Zig Ziglar, right? And, and so my thought always was that the most relaxing thought when you start anything, you're going to try to go get a deal. You're trying to get a job. You're trying to find a lawyer, a dentist, a doctor, et cetera. Whoa, hold a second. I'm not going out to a bunch of people I don't know. I'm not just going out and doing a Google search. The question is, who do I know? I mean, the easiest way to explain is this. So when I finished writing The Power Who, I had no idea. I'd never written a book before. And so I'm going to pick an agent. How would I do that? So I went over to Barnes & Noble. 
And I just went in there and I looked at all the inspirational, all the, all the books that were life, you know, that would be giving great life tips and all the stuff and all the great authors. And I looked in the acknowledgments and said, who's the agent? And they kept saying this one woman. And so I said, wow, you're like saying Jan, Jan Miller. And so I said, okay. So I sent out a text to my 20 friends. You know, I've been doing this. I have no idea anything about this. I said, but they keep mentioning this person. Does any of you know it? Because I'd really appreciate some help. Four came back immediately and said they knew, this, knew her. I said, get out of here. And, they, <laughs> and I said, and then I sent a note to the four. And I said, who of the four of you know her the best? And of course, one of my friends, you know, Keenan Delaney turned to me and said, hey, I do. And so I called Keenan and I go, do you know this person? He says, Bob, they're in Dallas. Get out of here. They're in my backyard. And I said, and he said, listen, he says, um, I lived with her and her husband for a year after I got out of, of, of Ohio State. Now, hold on a second. So this power who is not only do you know everyone you have that God gave you. So mm. what if this is the point of the power of who? What if each of us were given specific people to help us in ways we never imagined? And what if these people aren't happenstance acquaintances? What if they were strategically given to you to help you find that place in life you always dreamed about? What if all this time we've been out doing stuff with people we don't know, the, the evil Mr. Potters, who ain't going to help you, and then we're missing the fact that we're missing destiny because what if, what if finding your, you know, uh, your new job, getting a deal, helping your mom get into a hospital is not about who you don't know, but whom you've neglected, your friends. <laughs> and when I figured out this concept. So I'm going to hit you real quick. It's just too mind blowing. So there's three things people think when you walk in the room. So if I tell you the three things, it's like me giving you the test answer before the test. Okay. So bring it on, bring it on. This is great. Number one, they come in and they sit with you and they sit across from me and they sit across from you and you're thinking, do I know you? Who's the person who recommended you to come in and meet me? If, and because references, endorsements, and testimony is your greatest allies, right? And so who's the person? Now, if I know the person's best friend, okay, their wife, their brother, somebody really close to them, and they know me and they love me, then listen, I have an 87% chance of getting this deal or getting the job. Wow. 87 versus 13. Now, Holy second. So now the second thing they think is, do I like you? So the first five minutes of this conversation is all interviews are actually over in the first five minutes because they've already gut checked you. They haven't really looked at your resume. I mean, these people are smart who they are looking for. Right. And you have a personal environment, so they feel it. So if I talk about the best friend who's already told you and listen to me, best friends don't like tell you people they don't think are qualified. They, they, they know this. They said, hey, this Bob Bodine's you got to do search work with him. He's the best in the business. I mean, no one does the way he cares and no one's going to do it in this Christian approach. And he's got Jesus as his CEO. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, so immediately in the first five minutes, I just talk about their friend. And then all of a sudden the triangle all of a sudden happens. And I'm at 94% if already before we start. Now, you know, this is true. Why? I haven't gotten to the third one, you know, or fourth, you know why this is true is because if talent was the reason anyone got jobs, we wouldn't have Congress and Senate. <laughs> Zinger. Okay. That's good. Okay. Bam. So do I know you? Do I like you? Okay. 
do you now they walk you and do you understand my needs, which gets you into this six percent talk. Right. And so now you get to talk about your expertise. And then the last one, the fourth one is the bonus is, are you the best for me? And so my first thought is. You mean you walk into a, an interview and you don't know everything about Paul before you actually talked? You didn't know. I mean, I, I love the way you, Paul, love to encourage and lift others. That's one of my favorite things to do. I love that you always talk about, you know, the right word at the right time. I love that, you know, that you did things with Paul Harvey and that you have adopted kids. I mean, your whole life is like, I mean, mega, uh, mega uh, integrity and character and something that people want to look up to. And so I study you and that's, if people are not going to, I mean, why would you want to do something with someone and you're going to go with them? I'm trusting God. So there's going to be this connect and, you know, people don't care in interviews or meetings. If you're just interesting, you know what they care about? If you're interested. Mm. So, so the, when the power who started in this process, I really spent, I, I think people is the most relaxing thing in the world is I'm not thinking, I already know everyone I need to know. So I start with my, my Rolodex. And so when I first started writing, I just, I just said, Hey, listen, I had like 5,365 people in mind and you know, everybody said, hi, Bob. And they hugged me. And then I did a study of who's touched my life or gave me any business. Oops, 87. And when I cut my list back and focused on the people that God gave me, so this is the question I want everyone to listen to. What are you doing with the people God gave you? I call them your who, the people who matter most. I would have called the book The Power of Friendship, but everyone's got like 5,000 people on Facebook. That that's right. <laughs> These are your who. What are you doing for them? Because our job in life is not about us. It's about connecting serving and loving other people. And that gift, those gifts, what do you do with people who connect, serve, and love? I don't know. I promote them. I give them <laughs> bonuses. I try to hire them as fast as I can. Wow. Boy, I mean, if, if you, if, I hope you've been taking notes listening to Bob here. If not, replay this. Um, send me an email. I'll send it to you. I mean, Bob, this is great. I was thinking about Paul Harvey. You mentioned Paul Harvey. And when I met with him, I was intrigued by the fact that here I am at the time, I'm in my late 20s, early 30s, and I'm across the desk from him, and he is peppering me with questions. And I said something to him about that, and he said, Paul, I never learn when I'm talking. I learn when I'm listening to what you have to tell me. You know, that's, you know. It's so fantastic. Yeah, and Paul, I mean, the reason Paul had all the stories he did was he let it be known that he was in his office at 6 a.m. or 5 a.m., and people from all over the country would call him with tips and, you know, all the intriguing stories. And he was happy to talk to them, you know, from Mildred in the Midwest to, you know, someone on the West Coast. It was it was the Paul Harvey Network. And you're that's what you're talking about here. I mean, this is this is so good. So you're obviously, you know, talking to someone uh, you, you talk with high level people, but there's ordinary folks who are trying to figure out who's on there. Who's on that list that you talk about? You 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 call it the um, is it the twelve? Remind me again. One. Yeah. So your the, twelve friends. So you get one best friend. You get three close. You get eight others. And then there are people who then fit into what another layer. When you read the book, you're going to start to see. Then are your who? These are people who come into your life for reasons and seasons, and they're coming in. And some of your who take over spots in your twelve through one because they move to you know, to Dubuque, Iowa, and you don't get to see them as much. And, and then you have then what's called as allies and 
advocates of people that are going to do something because God is sending people across your path as we speak. The problem that people do is that that's one of my favorite G.K. Chesterton quotes is the one thing in life that gives radiance above other things. Is there something great just around the corner? Mm -hmm. Are you looking? And the reason you have to be the whole point of my book when we get to it, I'm talking about two chairs is what if you could actually see people because you're sitting with the king of kings and you laid all your stuff down. So now I can see you because I'm not thinking about me anymore. Right. I believe that the God of, of creation actually loves me, took it, paid for it, got it, got my plan. And then he's got things for me to do. Amen. So that's Bob Odin you're listening to. He's the author of Two Chairs, The Secret That Changes Everything. And I can speak personally about this. I can testify that this works. Um, and it's not formulaic. It's it's about a relationship with the Lord. But let's talk about that book, Bob. That is such an incredible work that you've done. Um, why did you write that? So early in my life, and I think everyone everyone earlier in life, midlife, later in life, da, 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 you go through cycles. And, and, and no matter what, you have some questions. You have some problems. You want answers to it. The difference between successful people and everyone else is good questions. And so I had questions. And so I normally would go to my dad who was like, you know, he's a, he was in the Navy. He was on a destroyer. He was, a, you know, second lieutenant and he, he McKinsey and Notre Dame and had all these things. But my mom was kind of my, my spiritual kind of go-to. And, and so I can tell you that when I sat with her, all, she had the greatest advice for me of any person I've ever been with ever. Mm. And so that moms are amazing. And so everybody should be listening to their mom. I mean, the whole concept that God said it was a commandment to honor your mom and dad. What does that give you? You know, long life and great health. <laughs> and we want both of those. And so, especially as you get older now, here's the thing. So I went to my mom with questions about what am I going to do to find my goals? What am I going to do to get my dream? How do I, how do I find my mate? How will I, how what will I do in times of trouble? My mom looked at me and says, oh my gosh, those are great questions. And I said, she goes, of course, I don't have the answer, but I know who does. And so I, so I said, so, so what? And she goes, she goes, I'm going to ask you three questions. And so my book premises starts from three questions my mom asked, and then which is amazing. The other portion of this book are the seven things to do in a time of crisis. And you and I are in crisis every single day. Mm -hmm. I mean, we got something happening all the time. And, and so I turned to my mom and so she said, so I'm going to ask you these questions. And so when people come into my office and I get the richest of the rich, the biggest stars, and of course, everybody in sports, they're going to get fired. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> right? Coming to my, they are. And then, so, and so I tell them when I do talks for them, I said, uh, young ADs, athletic directors are about to do. It. And I placed like 54 of the hundred division one ADs and like 90 coaches. And so I tell them right up at the top, okay, so here it is, you're going to get fired. And so, <laughs> and so they all come to my office and then they want to talk about the power of Bob. I didn't write that book. <laughs> I wrote the power of the fact the amazing aspect, it's revolutionary, it's supernatural, is that God gave you, everyone listening, who? They don't think they have any who. But if you're, you know, they haven't really stopped and looked. And I teach people how to find your who and do all of that in my book. So I sat with my mom and I said, she, and I asked these people and I say, listen, 
let's talk about two chairs. And I said, I'm going to ask you three questions. My mom asked me and I said, and I said, so you can't get mad at me. You're going to have to get mad at my mom. <laughs> so It's just a great thing. Here's question. Number one, does God know your situation? You're out of a job. Does he know you're, you're looking for a mate. You you all of a sudden had a bad relationship. You've had all of a sudden you've lost your finances. You're all of a sudden you don't know what to do. You can't do anything. Does he know? Yes, I said. And she goes, not only does he know, Bob, but he wants you to know he knows. And the highest priority in a crisis is to get your mind above it. And the highest thought, of course, is God. Mm. No. You and I both know that God doesn't have six telephone lines, you know, like he's an old telephone operator for seven billion people. He can portal to your house immediately and do all seven billion at the same time. And so and he doesn't work on ISIS and heart attacks and pandemics. And no, no, he works on you. Mm -hmm. I mean, you are important to him. You who are listening, who believe in him and believe in Jesus, you are the son and daughter of the king. And there are great benefits that we're not getting an advantage of. And so my mom said, does he know? Yes. Is this too hard for him to help you? No. And he goes, she goes, good. She goes, but it's too hard for you. And I said, Joe, you're right. And so Mm -hmm. she says, does he have a good plan for you? I said, yes. And she goes, what is it? I have no idea. (laughs) She goes, Two chairs. What if you pulled up another chair and you would talk to him? See, when you, this is the secret that changes everything. It's the secret is, is that it's, it's not really a secret, except you're just not doing it. So it must be a secret to you because if you knew that I could have, you know, I could have Warren Buffett sit at your house for five minutes every day. You'd be up at 5 a.m. You'd have coffee ready. You'd have the house looking good. You'd be ready. Would you talk all the time? No, mm. no. You'd be listening because he's going to talk to you. and He might give you one thought, one idea. He might give you a stock and everything in your life could change in a second. So my mom would look at me. And she goes, who's he? <laughs> He's not the creator of the world. He, he knew you before the foundation of the world. And so uh, here's the amazing thing. God just doesn't want to spend time with you. Okay. He, 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 he loves to spend time with you, but he wants to be friends with you. And he knows everything about you. And he wants you to know everything about him. And so, and so he does more than just listen, right? So he has plans. And so what's the plans? And so the issue in this process is that as we go, this is an amazing aspect for plans. And, and so he wants to prosper you, give you hope and a shed. And so if, I always tell people, if there's a 1% chance the guy who created the whole world would meet you tomorrow, would you go? Everybody says yes. Mm. And then I say, where have you been? And so I've been doing this meeting, Paul, for mentoring, advice, and daily guidance since, you know, every single day since 1976. And I can promise you that all my success in business and life comes from two chairs. Wow. Now, I love the fact that you mentioned Tom Ziegler. Of course, I knew, knew Zig. He was a member of my club. And, and, and so I knew Gene Ziegler, the little redhead. And I mean, we would have moments in stores where she's praying for someone in Kroger. Mm. <laughs> and, and she would, I'd be stop my cart and stop. And then, she would look up at me and she'd go, Bob, what are you doing? Get me here. Okay, Myrna, this is Bob. This perfect time. Bob's going to pray for you. And this is going to, everything about your life is going to shift. And I thought, what a great intro, right? 
And mm. so in this process, so, so my thing is that I want to say to people who are listening, how you start your day matters. I mean, do you like get up and do coffee and do you go for a run? Do you, you know, do you get into the, all of a sudden, are you like getting into the metro section looking for murders and, and are you in the obit page? I mean, you have this chance, okay, to actually not just know of God, because that's what people are seeking today. They, we somewhat have kind of treated God like an, like an appellate court judge. Like we go talk to him, we just talk at him, tell him all the things we need, and then we walk out keeping all our trouble. Mm. And God doesn't want that. He's very jealous. He, he knows your situation. He wants to know if you want to know what's next. So, I, I, you know, I live in the world, and I know people are sitting going, come on. And I go, what do you mean, come on? I mean, I mean so every single day you hear the enemy talking to you, and you're totally comfortable with that. You hear God speak to you once you're all of a sudden like a, this is, you're a schizophrenic. And so when you call your wife and say, Hey, honey, what are you doing? She doesn't say, who is this? Cause that's right. She knows your voice. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. God, yeah. God knows his said, Jesus said, you know, my voice, my sheep know my voice. And so, so if God knew you before the foundation of the world, which he did, that means you had to have talked to him. I don't know if you talked to him for five minutes, but I don't know anybody that I didn't talk to. You talk to me. Do you say you know someone you didn't talk to? I mean, I know of him. Yeah. My whole point is people know of God, but the whole point of two chairs. Listen, this is this is the ultimate upgrade from the fact that says I'm going to heaven. I'm doing all that. I love God. I'm, I'm saved. I do this. But wouldn't you now want to talk about your life going forward? And and my point is he's got plans for you. Well, Bob, we're out of time. I wish we could keep going, but thank you. I mean, my goodness, thank you personally, and uh, I hope we can do this again soon. I would love to do it. I, I hope I didn't talk too much, but I, you know, when you start talking about something so joyous, I become a jabber, and I, <laughs> and I should have just listened because I know you had some great insights, and I'd love to do that next time and listen to all yours. Well, I love ta- That's why we wanted to talk to you, and thank you for giving us the time and blessings to you and your family in 2024. Thank you. You as well. God bless you. Thanks for listening to What a Life with Paul Batura. Let him know what you're thinking. Follow Paul on Twitter at Paul Batura, or you can reach out to him on email at paul at paulbatura.com. Most importantly, live a life that emulates the admonition of the Apostle Paul, whose teachings are the inspiration for this show. Writing to believers at Philippi, Paul urged them, Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We'll see you next time on What a Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.